0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh,
0: oh, oh, O'Reilly. This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross-country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street and we were back on the road in no time.
3: Hubhopper originals. I think the real story of Indian podcasting will be the rise of regional languages. I, you know, I, I really think that, I don't know if you'll, people will be remembering the Indian Wars of the world once the regional language podcasts become great hits. I mean, they have the ability to harness millions of listeners, millions, not just in India, across the world as well. They're going to be so popular. Um, I just feel like there'll be no competing with the regional language podcasts therefore in, in english language podcasts like me uh, so if you are thinking listening to this episode and thinking about podcasting if your strength is in regional language content please focus on that if you can gain skills in that space go ahead and please do that as well because i think and i think the streaming giants are hungry for content in that space so you'll be welcomed with both hands and get lots of promotional support and all that good stuff
4: welcome to the podcasting university Looking for help on starting your own podcast? Then this is the place to be. We will help you with everything from selecting your topic to promoting and monetizing your podcast in the simplest language possible. Listen to other podcasters who've been through the grind and learn from them as we interview them every week. You can find more details on thepodcastinguniversity.com Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Podcasting University. This is Dilip, your host, and in today's episode, we have a storyteller. A storyteller who's going to thrill you. Today's guest on the show is an internationally acclaimed spoken poetry artist. His readings of some of the greatest poets of his generation on Twitter and Instagram are viral sensations, and this has been viewed over a million times. His work was nominated for a Pushcart Prize in Poetry in 2007. He is also a professional voice actor and an Amazon best-selling Commonwealth Short Story Prize and DWL Story Prize winning writer and has also received honourable mentions for the Katha Short Story Prize twice. He was amongst the top creative talents from India that also includes people like Amitabh Bachchan, Karan Johar, Anil Kapoor, Farhan Akhtar, and a few others who were selected to create original shows for Audible Suno. He is also the author of a multi-award-winning Amazon best-selling short story collection, The Killing Fields. His show, Indian Noah* is a critically acclaimed, chart-topping podcast featuring thrilling crime and horror audio stories set in India, featuring Indian characters. Indian Noah has been featured in the Harper's Bazaar, CBC, The Hindu and many other well-known media as well. It has won rave reviews on major podcasting platforms from critics and listeners alike and is a chart-topper on almost all podcasting platforms. Welcome Nikesh Murli, the prolific storyteller to the Podcasting University. Hey, Nikesh, thanks a lot for accepting the invite to be a part of the Podcasting University. Welcome to the Podcasting University and agreeing to be a part of the show and share with us your journey with podcasts.
3: Thank you, Dilip. Appreciate your invite. And uh, I know it's taken a while for us to uh, uh, get here with with our busy schedules. But uh, finally, here we are talking about podcasting, the wonderful details that make it such a
4: rich art form that's that's right, uh, and you know i I want to learn a lot of things from you, and I'm sure uh the audience would also like to know a lot of things from you because your show or your kind of podcast is probably one of those very few podcasts where there is a lot of uh inquisitiveness that is built or you know thrill that is built with every episode, so you actually wait for the next episode to come in, so I want to understand more of that when we get into podcasting but before we do all of that you know first what i want to understand is who is nikesh murli and uh, how did you get into this podcast entire podcasting thing
3: yeah yeah great uh, so i originally hail from uh, from kerala and uh, i migrated to australia when i was 20 years old and uh, um, i love now live here in sydney um But, uh, you know, I did my university years in India. And, um, you know, when I was in university, I started writing. Uh, This was when I was doing my bachelor's degree. I was a poet for a while when I got reasonably good at it. Uh, I started writing short stories. Then I, um, uh, you know, I won a few awards for it. It was getting regularly published. I decided to. Move on to larger manuscripts. But by the time I finished writing what would become The First C Begins in a novel format, uh, the publishing okay. business had spiraled. Uh, it's declined that we see now. Um, so there was a lot of manuscripts. Um, the publishing ecosystem had got, gotten a bit rotten in that uh, the editorial system was not there to foster new writers and support them. Uh, there were all these mm-hmm. literary agents who you know did not particularly... Uh, have the right um lens on when it and did not have the finger on the pulse of the audience when it came to picking manuscripts um obviously there were exceptions in, in sort of both these professions and there were exceptions in terms of publishers as well but generally what happened was there was a glut of books and manuscripts and you know there was no way for a new writer like me to find a home within a publishing house so i'd sort of given up on my dream of writing and uh I moved on with life and uh, I spent uh, a lot of years not writing, but uh, always studying writing and uh, maybe even sort of, you know, taking up the old manuscripts and polishing it or whatever. But there was an intense period of a decade where I was just studying how to write, um, even though in the back of my mind, I kind of knew I was never going to go back to it. But it so happened that one day I decided, you know, I needed a creative outlet for myself. And so I decided to uh, I was always good at recitation and uh, I did, uh, did a few you know uh, drama pieces when I was at university so I decided I would read poetry online um, and part of the reason for that as well I was I was looking at a lot of Indian poets and I realized they didn't seem to have they, they were all reading the same three dead poets all the time they didn't okay. seem to have a lot of access to the contemporary poetry. So I thought, you know, how about I just do uh, uh, recite some of these poems so people could access it, so they could access it, and I put it on a blog. And I, I was on Twitter as well. But anyway, it, it really took off, and uh, some of those readings became real viral sensations, and some of the greatest contemporary poets of uh, this generation, they really praised it. And on the back of it, I got a lot of voiceover gigs, and I gave voice to a lot of poetry videos. Um Okay, And that, that really got me thinking, like, so how about I combine skill A, which is writing, with the newly acquired skill B? And I suppose that's the real seed of the idea that's led to the podcast. But I didn't just jump on and start a podcast there. Mm-hmm. I decided I was going to, because of my the attitude that I always have, that, you know, you need to always study your craft before you do anything with it. I right. devoted at least a few years uh, learning how to do voice acting. I did a lot of online courses, I practiced, I performed in a lot of international audio dramas, and then when I felt reasonably ready, I uh, decided to start with His Night Begins and uh did audio recordings of it and put it into a podcast which became India Noir. In the beginning I did uh Noir, uh, in, in the beginning I did His Night Begins a crime show and uh, a vampire romance just to test out which uh, would have more uh, demand okay. uh, from the audience and it turned out that uh Crime was the sort of reigning genre. And by that time, you know, um, fiction podcasts had become very popular, particularly horror mm-hmm. podcasts. And I've always had an interest in writing and reading horror at that stage. I had written very few horror stories, but I thought, you know what, you know, the mechanics are fairly similar. And I was quite well read in horror. So, you know, I knew all the conventions of the genre, I knew all the traditions of the genre.
5: Mm-hmm. So
3: that got me into horror writing as well. So, so then I skipped between crime and uh, horror seasons of uh, of different shows, and uh, voila, we have uh, Indian Noir, which has become such a great success. a surprise to me, but uh, in a certain way, it's not been a surprise to me because of the kind of uh, format that you were talking about, which was you know the, the the thriller format. I always thought I had a knack for writing thrillers, and uh, what I did was I used that basic framework for. Uh, writing uh, both the crime show and the horror show. But uh, that's
4: how Indian War came into being. Oh, that's nice. Interesting. And, you know, your your voice has a certain uh, style of narration, you know, like what you said right now. You know, even now when you're talking, I could, uh, you know, that, that there is that style of recitation, which is it something that you built over a period of time or is it something that is that has been there as an inherent quality in, uh, in you?
3: Yeah, it's something I've had to build. Um, I I suppose I was always good at recitation, so I kind of knew the conventions of it. But I still, when I started reciting online, I had to go back and really learn uh, how theatre actors perform lines. So I then used that in the poems, and then I was able to transfer that skill set over to stories. And um, the other thing I did was, you know, it's not just enough to study and practice, it's also important to listen to some of the the, the masters of the craft right. so I listen to a lot of fiction audiobooks as well the people who do it really well mm-hmm. and I obviously you know use the, some of the conventions that they use um, but it's a you know it's a steady process of learning um, that goes on with uh, with the voice acting and uh, audiobook narration and story narration and podcasting wherein you have to constantly keep improving the way you deliver lines because it is your primary weapon it's your okay. primary tool to engage with uh, with the audience. Um, so it's it's definitely a learned practiced
4: craft right okay okay that's nice so so which means it is something that can be acquired over a period of time with practice correct yes okay. absolutely
3: through yeah. learning repetition um listening to the best works like
4: most art forms you're right okay nice so uh you know what what I want to understand uh, when exactly was Indian Noah launched
3: it was launched two and a half years ago maybe a bit longer than that yeah two and a half three years
4: okay that's you know there was
3: and the reason why I'm a bit uh bit unsure about the the exact period is there was there was a period of time when I wasn't posting episodes regularly where I was trialing things learning audio production and you know obviously it'll take, it take would take me a Long time to put out episodes. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I have gotten into this comfortable cycle where I can start writing on a Monday, record on the Sunday of that week, and then put out the um, episode in the next week. But once upon a time, mm-hmm. you know, it would take me a long time to produce and cut and do all of that. But you know, in time, I've grown comfortable with the process, so it's become faster. So there was about six months where I wasn't really posting regularly, and then I got really serious, and you know, Indian Wars pretty much had a weekly production schedule since then
4: okay nice so you know i think uh, that was uh some time around which in india podcasting kind of took off and i remember uh, you know they, there are these uh, uh podcasters meetups that we used to do and uh, the first one i think was about two and a half years back so you know roughly mm-hmm. around that time okay so yeah. you know while, while we are at it a couple of things that i want to understand now uh you know i see that you're doing multiple projects at a time i saw that you're doing one uh, you know, as part of uh, Indian nua, then at the same time, you're doing the hairs of the Pandavas. So how, as in, are you doing all of these together or uh, is it pre-recorded, which you're launching now? So how are you juggling all of these things together?
3: Uh, look, uh, I think one of the things with the writing is um, it has to be a regular habit. So you have to write pretty much every day for you to maintain the skills um, as a writer and mm-hmm. uh, there's no other way around it uh and so what that means is i've always developed a work i think where and i try to write every day as painful as as it is it is as difficult as it would be for anyone listening to this uh, right now it's it's really painful to sit and write uh but you know you just have to force your, yourself to do it so what essentially happens is i will start writing on a monday and i will write uh the Indian Noir episode and the Heirs of the pandavas episode at the same time I will write, and mm-hmm. then I will do a rewrite, and then I will do a final edit. Uh, the with Noir, I then narrate it, cut it, uh, audio mix it, uh, give it a couple of um, uh, edit- editorial listens, and then put out the version. But with heirs of the Pandavas, I record it and I send the recording to Wine Studios where a team looks after the audio content and they produce that bit of it. But it happens pretty much simultaneously. I tend to take a bit longer with the Heirs of the Pandavas, partly because um, those stories are very compact and they're a lot more difficult to write than... the indie stories because they're so action-packed and they are only three or four episodes and it's done. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it can take a bit, more, a bit longer with that. And, you know, my primary focus is always. Art. So for that reason as well, that takes priority. But pretty much happens simultaneously. So, okay. you know, I have to form a very rigorous uh, writing regime, very rigorous editorial regime, and very rigorous production and putting out regime. Not to mention there's then social media, which you have to engage with pretty much every day. if you want to really um, excel in any art form uh, in in this this um, period of time
4: right so you know uh, on that topic another question that I had so how does a day look for you as in uh, I understand you are doing a lot of these things and doing you're doing it all alone so uh, how does it work as in how how do you start your day what how does it end what are the things that go in
3: between So you know, I, I you know wake up and I have to head over to work. When I was when we were not working from home, I would uh, go to my workplace and then during lunchtime I would write. That's what I would do. Um, during okay. During an hour-long lunch break, I would take up pretty much that entire time eating and writing, and then go back to work and then come back home and then obviously do the things I have to do at home. And uh, then late in the evening, I would spend um, a couple of hours uh, editing or, you know, doing the production. Uh, that's how I split it during the day. And just in the evening, too, because, you know, at the end of the day, you're pretty tired to trick my brain into uh, actually doing those things. What I do is I um, mix up the tasks. So I would, like, game on my PlayStation for half an hour and then do the writing. Or exercise and then do the writing. Or do that in that order. So I'd game, write... Uh, exercise right and then obviously go to bed after that um but yeah that's that's pretty much the kind of daily split uh but you know this is this is a seven-day thing it's um if you want to produce on a weekly schedule mm-hmm. you you know you can't the, the weekends you would you
4: will have to devote uh, some amount of time to a production as well right you know that's precisely why i was asking because you know producing something like this on a weekly basis because there's a lot of effort that is going in there in terms of scripting editing so you know the amount of time that you would be putting in to produce one of these episodes every week might be tremendous so you know how exactly do you manage yeah
3: Yeah, so it's yeah it's uh, so it takes 8.5 hours to produce 20 minutes of content for India and that depends on the show as well so for example Devasur the fantasy show with the battle scene complex sort of magical um, engagements it took 119 hours to produce seven hours of content. So um, it's uh, it's it takes a lot of time. Unlike nonfiction, right. Unless it's like nonfiction that's really highly produced, like serial, some of the true crime shows or the documentary shows that we hear that have high production values. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if the fiction shows have to operate the the same way, and so it demands a lot of production hours, which brings me to something you were saying before as well, like. But podcasting taking off two and a half years ago, you know, that was essentially this almost the second wave of podcasting, really. And I remember like going to those meetings, and there'd be all these old uh, podcasters who would say, "Oh, I've been here for nearly ten years now." You know, they were the, they they were producing in a time when you just you would just record audio and pop it on there, and you know everything would be kosher. Right. Unfortunately, the modern audio audience is uh, a lot more evolved because they have been brought up on a diet of high um, you know well produced big budget uh, um movies okay. with, um, and TV shows with a, with a with a lot of sfx and audio effects um and they demand that of any form of entertainment they get including audio and that's you can see how that's transferred over in the audio space as well the ones that's... that are doing really well are the ones that are produced like movies so that that old school kind of podcasting was dead and but unfortunately, the, the, the truth is that to make that stuff, you have to be very driven. Right. Uh, you have to treat your craft very seriously. And I suppose what helps me do that is because uh, with the podcast is that, you know, as a writer, this gives me an opportunity to and to have a large user base of listeners that waits for my stories every week. I have constant engagement with them. I can constantly write and I can write the kind of stories I want to write without the without anyone telling me what to do. I don't have to listen to literary agents or editors or marketing people. I can do all of that. I can maintain quality control from beginning to end. Uh, books, usually you write and it takes many years before it comes out in a bookstore. And then if you get some coverage, you know, then you are lucky. If not, more often than not, these days they just end up in the mm-hmm. bin somewhere. Right. So it's just such a waste of process. But, you know, with the podcast, I have real time links with my listeners and my readers. I I can get uh, fan mail every day. I don't have to wait till the outcome uh, after a, a, like a book's been released. Um, mm. And I always like the serial format with its cliffhangers. So that means there's a lot of anticipation. That gives me uh, the element of thrill in terms of delivering the work as well because I can see the anticipation as the episodes Great. are being delivered online yeah. and as I see the reaction. And with the marketing as well, I can build up thrill over a, the thrill of listening to it over a few months and. Get excited myself. For example, right now, the uh, promise for Trishul, the military thriller, is uh, coming out through the Indian Noir social channels. There's a lot of excitement surrounding it. And just to see the excitement from the listeners, it makes me even more excited uh, to want to start writing it in January and delivering episodes.
4: Right. So, you know, on that topic, now that's something that I wanted to understand a little more. So, uh, you know, when it comes to Indian Noir, so You know, I see that these, all of these, uh, you know, uh, stories have about four to five episodes. So, how does the entire, uh, you know, first of all, how does the scripting work? Do you write these stories specifically for the show? And if you do it, once that scripting is done, how is the entire editing uh, process? Do you record it at one go, then break it into small pieces? How do you build that? Anticipation in each of these episodes. So, what is that entire process?
3: So, the leap uh, with the scripting process—the way it works for the um, longer shows, Fear FMs, and the His Night Beans mm-hmm. and the Live shows—usually they are about twelve to fourteen episodes long, uh, mm-hmm. almost like a TV show season. Right. Although I'm increasingly thinking of reducing the episode count because people want the people want stories to get faster and faster. Right. it's a uh, you now I always remind myself that I'm very lucky to write for the TikTok generation. And I'm lucky because my brain's <laughs> always worked like their brain, which is that I scan information very fast. Right. Uh, I like to learn a lot of things at the same time. I want to get through an information very quickly. So I can move on to the next bit of information,
5: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, that's 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 the modern Indian generation too. And Youngsters everywhere in the world. That's why they can scroll through millions of square meters of real estate of social media. That's mm-hmm. how they can watch uh, ten or twenty second videos repeatedly for hours to on an end. So I try to recreate that vibe in uh, in my writing, okay. and I also try to write cinematically because cinema and TV are the dominant. Uh, artistic genres artistic forms of this so i combine those two elements to then put it into a three-act or a five-act structure which is the classic screenwriting structures which you can learn if you go to any screenwriting workshop Mm -hmm. and uh, i write them essentially like thrillers in that they end with a cliffhanger so you want to know what happens next or even if it's not a cliffhanger something astounding has happened that's really shocked you and that's where the episode ends, so you're not really sure which way it's going to go, or it comes at a, a like a, a very deeply emotional moment for the character, where you're also deeply feeling it, and that's where it stops, so you are left reeling with the emotional impact of it for the next few days as you wait for the next part. Okay. And sometimes I will forcefully create, create a break um, to triple the anticipation, so if it's at a really at a point where People really, really want to know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I will not release an episode. So that happened with Pangit. Right. The sixth episode. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sixth episode was, even though it was ready, I didn't release it immediately after the fifth episode, seven days after that. I released it 14 days after that. So. I could tell by the 10th day I was starting getting messages. Uh, by the way, I'm still looking is it has it come online. Uh, that's really good. That's really great uh, to experience as a storyteller, Very... to, experience as a writer, to experience as an artist. Uh, but it's that format. That's the format that works for a generation that doesn't want to have mm. time. They consume this and they want to move on to the next thing. They will be doing 50 other things today. And this is, uh, they're assigning some of their valuable time to do this, and they don't want to be bored, and they want to be thrilled, and at the end of it, they want to be able to wait for what's coming up next. Um, so I, I sort of you know imbibe all those values into this three-act structure, and I write them. And so there are obviously uh, shorter um, series of stories on Indian Noir as well, like Indian Noir X, which is about real-life supernatural encounters, or... Urban myths from India—they tend to be just one episode long. Mm-hmm. There's the one shot, which is usually three to six episodes, which is like a horror short story. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, increasingly even the longer form show shows—I'm thinking of reducing them from thirteen to eight or nine episodes a season. Uh, for example, Trishun will probably be that long um, because people are—I think you know—they they they want they want you to go faster and fast. They want the roller coasters to be uh vomit inducing really <laughs> fast. Uh, and um, you know, and, and just an absolute blast of thrill ride. But you still have to be careful when designing these stories because like you know, a good thriller should always have a dip so that the rice can be equally enjoyable. But I'm always looking at ways on how to tweak the writing process, the production process to make it faster, but also also capture some of these essential qualities that makes a thriller work, uh, be it horror or crime. Um, so that's that's sort of the scripting side of things. So I write it, I the, rewrite the script, uh, because writing really is rewriting, and then I edit the script for grammatical errors and spelling mistakes and all those things, because even though it might be audio, even though it might be a podcast, you're still trying to produce literature, okay. because it's the characters, it's the thematic integrity of the story, it's the the, uh, the strength of the plot that keeps people engaged. So you all do all those things that you would do generally as a writer submitting to a magazine or a, or a book publisher. Mm-hmm. And then once that's done, I record the narration in one long session. It really takes an hour or two two hours. And then once that's done, comes the most tedious and disgusting part of the process, which is cutting the narration, because it'll have multiple takes of lines you have done and you know gaps and all of that. You cut that and you create a version of that file, and then comes the most entertaining part of the whole the most exciting part of them which is putting everything okay. you know putting the music the effects uh, and then the last bit is a bit tedious which is listening to it sport any errors to make sure that the work that you put out is the best work that you can deliver
4: hmm. so do you record all of these uh stories as in even the ones that uh, you know span maybe uh, seven or eight episodes, do you record all of them at one go and then cut them into smaller episodes?
3: No, I always make sure that I only record 2,000 to 3,000 words of okay. script at a time. So usually there is the... the so uh, in audio narration terms, 100 words is equal to a minute of a okay. time. Okay, right. So, so roughly fifteen hundred to two thousand
5: words
3: mm. is what I tend to do with the script. I think that is the sweet spot. I think twenty minutes is the sweet spot for an episode, um, unless you can create a property that's very engaging. So,
5: right.
3: And you know, the, even i even tried this. So, for example, when I started his night begins, I the first episodes are like five minutes. But my thinking was, if people don't listen to me for five minutes, how are they going to listen to me for twenty?
4: Twenty minutes, yeah.
3: So I wanted to see how that works. So. I increased it slowly and steadily. So once I got to like 30 episodes, thirty minutes, I realized because His Night Begins and Virat and Nariman are so popular, I could do three hours of it and people would still listen. So, But still, the sweet spot is uh, 20, minutes. 20 minutes. So I make sure that the script's around 1,500 long to 2,000. That being said, it depends on the script. Sometimes, you know, you, you always, it's what I said, like it, it is still a piece of literature. And sometimes to maintain the integrity of the story, it might have to be longer. Right. Um, some genres tend to be wordy as well. Fantasy is quite wordy. So the episode episodes are like 3,000, 4,000 words. So again, it depends on what genre you're working on. Mm-hmm. But that's roughly the guide. Um, and then you cut and just produce it. Yeah, that's the, that's the rough process.
4: Okay. And... Uh, so while we were we were talking about this and you know we spoke about production value a little while back you know something that is very unique about your show is uh, not just that narration but all of that happens in that background you know there there is so much of uh, you know that that music in the background kind of uh, brings that thrill in us uh, unlike watching a movie uh, when you're listening to it in order for you to be thrilled with uh, you know something that is happening around you that background music is important so what i yeah. want to understand from yeah. you is how does that post-production look and i understand you're doing all of this alone so how do you get the background music where do you get it from how do you uh how many hours do you put into post-production how do you mix all of this what is that entire uh you know uh, cycle like
3: yeah yeah so i make sure that i always used um, always used uh, licensed music or the ones available in public domain that's been cleared for use um, so I mostly rely on audiohero.com that gives you you have to pay a, a monthly fee of uh, $16 and uh, they give you access to sound effects and some BGM uh, and sometimes you can find online if you search some of the studios that produce SFX they give it out for free with the license or the music out for free with the license that's how I, I tend to go around and look for them and collect them and make sure I have the license because you don't want to be caught out uh, with the copyright, never use stuff that, you know, that doesn't have a copyright release. Okay. Um, so that's how I collect it. And then in the beginning, I think people who would listen to the first episodes of history, of, of, of Indian war would realize that, you know, I think in some episodes that I don't even have BGM and it sounds really awkward, but the truth is uh, it's something that it takes a lot of skill to put together mm-hmm. to know what kind of music is appropriate? Where what needs to be the decibel level? Where does it need to overwhelm it? And I have this simple mantra that, like for audio narration, you know, my voice is superior to the SFX and the BGM, so that always takes precedence. <laughs> but like you said, to aid in the immersion, I always tend to put a a, a layer of I, t- I try to I, mean, I do a, bit of a sequence and I listen to the sequence and I think, okay, this is something that where well, the thrill ramps up. So I always go and look in my library for a bit of music where the thrill is escalating in the in the musical score towards the end. Uh, sometimes if I can't find it, I even make my own music. So there is a um, software called Output. Again, you have to uh, pay for it. There's a monthly fee.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And what you can do is you can attach a MIDI keyboard to it and they have got the plugins that then enable you to produce music. I've really struggled with that. I'm not a musician. So okay. I've had to learn how to do that. And uh, it's very hard, but you can make very basic scores. But I mostly rely on produced music, which I have licensed. where the license has been freed for public domain use, for without any copyright issues. Right. Um. So yeah, it's it's a matter of layering it underneath uh, the uh, narration in a decibel level that doesn't overwhelm the narration voice, and uh, also suits the scene and kind of captures the mood of the story as it transitions from one thing to another um so uh, yeah, again it's something that takes a lot of practice and if you are someone who appreciates movie scores and watches movies with uh, a very critical eye that helps too because you know they kind of I'll automatically learn a lot of things about how certain sequences
4: need to be scored especially horror okay hmm. and you said yeah audiohero.com and where do you get that uh, sfx that you spoke about that's audiohero.com okay audiohero.com okay so How long does it take for this entire post-production? As in, once you've written your script, you've narrated, recorded it, then after that, you know, mixing this music and editing all of that. How long does that take?
3: Oh, look, it can take anywhere from two hours, uh, oh, but uh, stretching it, it can take. I would say a decent uh, a, an episode with which doesn't have mm-hmm. a lot of uh, fighting SFX uh, takes about three hours. If there are battle scenes, they take a really long time. So they take about five to six hours. Okay. So three to six, I would say. Again, it depends on how perfect you want something to be. I have I've right. spent much longer than that on some episodes where once I've listened to it, I've not been satisfied with uh, some of the aspects of it. So then you go back and try and play around with things. But yeah, I I would resolve at least you know give at least three hours.
4: Right. I was about to ask you about that. So uh, once you once you've narrated it, once you've uh, listened to the narration. You then go and decide what is the background effect that you want to put in there, what is the music that you want to put in there, and then you procure or you get that from Audio Hero and then use that. Is that how the process works?
3: Yeah, you can pretty much do it simultaneously as you put it into the final track. As you're going through it, you decide, okay, yeah, this is a sequence where someone's going into the haunted house, so you can go and get the music that's appropriate for that. And then as you go through the narration uh, the person opens the door and so you go, okay, you either look in your own library, if you've had that sound previously, if not, you and procure that, you pop it in there. Okay. And it just keeps going and like that way from beginning to end. And then once that's all put together, you then give it a listen to see if it's all hitting the right beats, if, if the door is opening in the right place if it's you know too loud all that stuff okay. um and then yeah then you produce a final output and then you recheck that again to see if it's it's de- delivered in the, in the most perfect way it can be
4: okay interesting okay so now coming to the uh the second aspect of this entire thing now while there's a lot of effort that we put into you know scripting editing producing all of that the second most important uh part of this entire journey is about promoting your show and I'm sure that requires an equal amount of effort, at you know, in the same amount of effort that you put into producing the show. So, what was what were your strategies about promoting your show? How did you first launch Indian Noir and how did, as in, how did you get audience to listen to the show? What, how did you manage all of that?
3: Yeah, look, uh, at that the in the initial stages promotion came from mostly cross cross promoting with other Indian podcasters, uh, so that you know their audience who might be interested in Indian Noir would also come over and have a listen or they would look at it and go, oh, maybe something my cousin would like and pass that information over. So there was a lot of cross-promotion and word of mouth happening at that stage. Okay. Um, Indian Noir got really lucky. I think Indian Noir is the most critically acclaimed Indian podcast because of the amount of coverage it's received in um, the Indian media. Uh, I I got very lucky with the uh, newspapers and magazines just discovering Indian noir through word of mouth. Uh, you know, I think I the big, big, big break for Indian noir was when Usha Raman wrote a, devoted an entire page in the Hindu to Indian noir in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And I said this the other day that you know, like since the, uh, the, on that day the the dashboard spiked and that spike has never gone down. From that, obviously momentum built, and then the listeners were very vocal.
5: Mm-hmm. But that's
3: I think a lot of. Podcast is not lucky in that sense, wherein their audience might not really be vocal on social media. Whereas with Indian Noir, they are really vocal. They will talk about it. They will reach out to me and compliment me. They will talk about it on social media, on other platforms. For example, you can read it and see all the posts about Indianuare on there. The other thing that's very interesting with Indianuare is people will listen to it and then they will listen to it with their families
5: mm-hmm. uh,
3: as as well, or listen to it with their friends. Uh, At a university, or when they go out, or when they go on a long drive, and so that's that multiplies that that effect, the word of mouth effect. And then, obviously, it also Indian Oil was also a part of that wave of podcasting, which uh, was very, which you know, which which came, uh, which brought with it a lot of very talented people, very good podcasts, and uh, there was a lot of media coverage of that that wave of podcasting. So Indian Oil benefited from that. Um, we've been putting a lot of best-of lists by a lot of uh, Indian magazines like Harper's Bazaar, Bazaar, for mm-hmm. example, uh, Femina, and Men's Health, Men's, uh, Men's World, because there are there aren't many podcasts like Indian Noir okay. producing work in, in the same quality as it is and constantly evolving in the kind of stories it tells and in the the quality of the output. I think that it's an easy go-to for the media when they when they have to point out to an example of what is a great podcast,
5: hmm. because it
3: is a great podcast..
5: Right.
3: Um, so they are able to um, and, and I'm very it's very it's very generous of the journalists who have covered Indie Noir, very kind of them, but also uh, wonderful of them to champion uh, indie podcasters in an art form. Uh, that's that's new and emerging and um, so you know the i've been they've been very very generous to me and the podcast. um so that's that helped as well but then so has the social media presence branding was not something i paid attention to too much in the beginning but i was regularly posting when social media updates were coming out and then uh, what i did was i also at one point decided i need to up my social media game so i went and did a lot of online courses i just searched What's a good, uh, you know, like social media marketing course. Okay. Uh, There are plenty on on Udemy and Coursera and all those free services that you can go and do. I even did a few paid ones, which are very cheap. And, uh, you know, when you you watch a few of them, you get an idea of how you should be doing it. So you should have a, you know, brand, uh, the the font should be the same. The color schemes need to be the same. So that really then transformed my social media outreach as well. I made sure that I decided on all those marketing aspects and then started putting out content following those guidelines. I used to work in uh, communication, so I I have some understanding of how marketing works. So I was able to sort of draw on those skills in terms of creating posts. That mm-hmm. was the, you know, I never run out of ideas when it comes to putting out a post every day. So that's really come in handy, the fact that, you know, I, the, I used to do that professionally uh, before. Okay. But uh, I, my other profession is also, is, you know, post that, uh, from communication, I moved to policy analysis. Mm-hmm. And so as an analyst, you then get, get, you know, you have a lot of research skills, you have a lot of analytical skills. So, you know, that gives you a very strong skill set to go and look at other successful examples and work out what really might work for you and then try them and you know, see what works for you in a trial and error format.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And so, um, but you're absolutely right. It's something you have to do on a daily basis social media promotion and uh, keep engaged with your listeners. Uh, You know, when other podcasters reach out to you or, you know, engage with them, support other people in the community, support your regular listeners and social media supporters, um, engage, uh, try to, when someone else has a win, celebrate that, thank the journalists for covering that, even if you are not covered, all that good stuff. Mm. So generally being a good citizen, um, a good person, uh, it's, it's also part of uh, social media promotion
4: okay and all of this media coverage that has happened all of that was organic right just because of uh, the it's popularity okay. of the show
3: yeah yeah absolutely so in the two and a half years I have spent like two weeks of Instagram ad money that's about it just to see how that works <laughs> I wasn't particularly impressed for those wanting to know the answer I might give it a try again just to see over holiday periods if there's uptake but yeah if I ran an ad for two weeks for Indie Noir on Instagram that's the only paid promotion
4: okay nice uh so which basically gives me the idea that and you've done all of this alone right there is there is nobody who is partnering with you or helping you on this
3: no no not really other than heirs of the part of this which wine studios produces uh, right. you know that's a, that's a different beast. but we we are talking mostly about indian noir here hmm. so yes
4: but indian noir it's stormy and where exactly is indian noir uh hosted as in what is the podcasting platform that hosts it
3: um, I was with Audio Boom, but since Audio Boom left India,
4: mm-hmm. I
3: have moved it to Anchor.
4: Anchor, okay, which is the Spotify-owned um, okay. podcast service. Right, interesting. And uh, another question around that: So, what is your podcast setup like? Uh, how important is your podcast setup in terms of the mic, or you know, what are the the equipments that you use when it comes to mixing? So, what is that setup like?
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, two integral parts of uh, Indian World's production uh, is the Rode NT USB mic, which is a very high quality mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not; it doesn't break the bank. I never, I've never wanted to put uh, throw that much money into the podcasting that you know I look back at it with regret. Okay. Uh, but I made sure I bought a good mic. But it's a fairly simple NT USB mic that I can plug into my MacBook and the software I use. I really didn't want to compromise on it. I use the Hindenburg Journalist Pro. Uh, It costs, there's an annual subscription to use it, um, which is, I think, cheap, but it's still cheaper than the Adobe's of the world. Uh, But it's the best um, one for audiobook narration and, you know, for journalists who are producing documentary-style or news-style podcasts. Mm -hmm. It's very simple to use, very intuitive, easy to add plugins to. Um, Then I have a lot of plugins that enable me to, Clean out the background noise because I live in Sydney. I live in the middle of the city. It's a fairly noisy place. Okay. So i have plugins that help me clear background noise uh, and also uh, helps me do the voice SFX for monsters and things like that. Um, Also uh, helps clean up the sound so there's no, um, you know, if accidentally there is a hard plosive sound or the sibilants are too harsh, they remove those things. So I tend to use um, Accusonus, uh, has a, they are a subscription service too. Those are the plugins I use um, uh, for that purpose. Uh, so the Rode NT-USB mic, uh, Hindenburg Journalist Pro is the software, Acusonus for plugins, and it's all recorded on a MacBook Pro. Okay. Um, and it's a very simple setup. I've got uh, a raised stand-up desk. I put the mic and the computer on there. And I opened the, uh, the, the script file. I pasted it onto a teleprompter software. There's a teleprompter pro software for MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. Switch on the teleprompter and the, just do the reading.
4: Right. So for a one-man show, as in, it's it's a huge uh, effort. It's a huge... Att- and for that effort, you know, the achievement is amazing. The the way Indian noise has shaped up. Uh, and, you know, the way people have started taking to listening to that kind of thriller stories you know i would attribute a lot of that to your show and for a one-man you know show to manage all of this you know there is a lot of discipline and tremendous effort i'm sure that goes into all of this
3: yeah absolutely absolutely and uh, you know i think if you i see this as an art form i consider myself an artist i consider my fellow podcasters to be artists too if they're putting the amount of due diligence to produce the best work they can it's uh and any art form um requires discipline and hard work for you to become better and better at it and thank you for saying what you said about uh indian noir really setting standards not just for thriller shows but for audiobooks in general i, I right. think people once they listen to audiobook uh, indian noir and when they go to audible and listen to a indian audiobook they're going to start having some concerns about how much effort was put into it, although there is, because, you know, those things are produced in high-end studios. Right. But there is something to be said about a storytelling experience that combines SFX and background music and, you know, um, voice acting, right. all those things. It's um, it's, 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 it's theatre of the mind uh, and uh, watching a movie in your head, all of that happening at the same time. So I think, you know, I set the standards, in, yeah. in that sense, it's also set of standards for how podcasts need to be delivered. I think okay. the quality of the narration means that people expect that out of podcasters. So that's one thing I would say to Indian podcasters, that, you know, especially if you're doing podcasting in English, it's a bit hard for us because English is my third language, too. And I totally understand you know how you would be engaging with a, a language that's a third language as well. So we will need to slow down and try and speak the language as clearly as possible. We will need to use pronunciation apps, all those things to make sure that we deliver a good listening experience to the, the reader and and try and develop a narration voice as well, which is very clear. And so, so there's all this sort of additional burden. So, I think Indian noirs kind of introduced that as well. And for the biggest achievement for Indian noir, really, is that it has managed to encourage a generation of Indian podcasters to um, start podcasts, to find value in their artistic skills, mm-hmm. uh, their uh, own ability, their creative talents to uh, uh, you know, write stories or go and research and find out information and put them in a very interesting format all those things, because that's one thing that comes through with all the testimonials that you would see on Indian Universe social media pages. They love the podcast. They listen to it, but they also attribute um, it to the success of their own ventures uh, or their own artistic journeys. So that is very hard work.
4: That's right. And, you know, I'm sure uh, your story and uh, how you are running this show will be an inspiration for a lot of people because I hear a lot of people asking this question in in some of the discovery calls that I go on. You know there are people who ask this question as to how many uh you know how much of outsourcing do I need to do? how many people do I need to onboard uh to produce a show that 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 have has quality that offers quality but here there is a show that has tremendous quality. Uh, exceptional uh, style of storytelling but all being managed by one person and uh, while I, I i agree that there is a lot of discipline that needs to go into doing something like this but i'm sure this will be an inspiration for a lot of upcoming uh podcasters specifically in the storytelling niche
3: that's right and i think that you know like if you can afford to do it you know outsource it to a studio like wine studio that does um airs of uh, to produce it because it'll take take out the hard work that goes into the production side, and you can mm-hmm. focus on the writing and the narration if that's what you want. Okay. Um, that's all that would also always be suitable. You will get a different style of production as well. That's important to keep in mind because Indian noir is exactly as I conceive a story. Okay. Whereas Heirs of the Pandavas is not exactly as I conceive it. It's kind of there, but like, you know, the the audio production and the SFX is more. Uh, like a, 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 it's it's almost like a proper movie in your head,
5: mm.
3: whereas Indian noir is a oral storytelling experience.
4: storytelling right.
3: It's yeah. it's it's like um it's the difference between going to a th- Arzoo the Panavas is like going to the s- cinema and closing your eyes and experiencing a movie, whereas mm. Indian noir is like coming sitting around a fireplace and listening to a really skilled storyteller mm. who's able to conjure images mm. in your mind and through subtle um, changes in voice or musical cues enable you to relive an experience. So the experience will also be a bit different. Um, But if you're looking at the purest distillation of someone's art form, I think in the storytelling department, something like Indian Noir is, is probably the 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 greatest, is, is is probably a good example of it.
4: Right. Well, that's primarily why I wanted to touch upon Indian Noah because you know th- that difference that you said. Um, I agree that that is there, and you know, it is that uh, experience or it is that uh, knowledge that I wanted to kind of extract from you. And uh, you know, I think mm. uh, that's that's what the entire discussion. was. So, one last question that I had, Nikesh. So. Uh, so sure. what's your outlook on podcasting and uh, what is in store for Indian Noah in 2021?
3: In terms of an outlook, Dilip, uh, I think that what we're going to see is um, in the next few years, some really talent, talented people are going to come on board in the podcasting space. Mm-hmm. And a lot of um, audio studios are going to come into play as well. Uh, they will obviously be funneling content into the Spotify's of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these big streaming services might even get in-house teams to produce work that, uh, you know, they know from their algorithms are quite popular. Uh, I think a lot of the indie, the indie podcasting scene will become even more robust. Mm-hmm. The quality will keep going up. Um, but I think the real story of Indian podcasting will be the rise of regional languages. I, You know, I, I really think that, I don't know if you'll, people will be remembering the Indian Wars of the World once the regional language podcasts become great hits. I mean, they have the ability to harness millions of listeners, okay. millions, not just in India, across the world as well. They're going to be so popular. Um, I just feel like there'll be no competing with the regional language podcasts for in, in English language podcasts like me. Uh, so, if you are thinking, listening to this episode and thinking about podcasting, if your strength is in regional language content, please focus on that. If you can gain skills in that space, go ahead and please do that as well. Because I think, and I think the streaming giants are hungry for content in that space. So, you'll be welcomed with both hands and get lots of promotional support and all that good stuff. Uh, so, you know, things are going to get harder and harder. Assisting crop of podcasts to Grow and maintain in terms of listener numbers, so that'll demand even a lot more out of Windy Noir in that in that sense. I think the with in terms of forecasting, I think that the monetization is the real issue. I really still don't see an answer to the monetization problem. Right. I know some of the some small ad agencies are coming into play. You know, they're specifically looking at podcasts. Anchor, for example, may start allowing. Ads to be played on Indian podcasts. There might be some funding coming through from streaming giants to produce some content for them. That sort of thing. That's already been happening. That might ramp up in the in the future. But I think we are still looking at three or four years, or maybe even more, in terms of nailing down the monetization equation. That's not a very promising outlook. There is a lot of Patreon-style experiments taking place as well. Okay. Uh, I will try and dip my toe in all of these different spaces because it'd be, be nice to get monetized, uh, to to have that option, but also just to see how it works in India, what it really means going forward. Because I think you know, it's in, and, and and sort of convey my wisdom to other podcasters and young podcasters uh, as to what that actually means. So that's that's my general. I mean, podcasting is, is really really going to take off globally. It's going to be an awesome art form. It's not going to go the way of blogs. People make fun of podcasts, saying that it's the the blogs for the millennials. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really think that it's a it's a it's a much more sophisticated art form. Right. And with the experiments taking place in it, and with the amazing talent that's uh, partaking in, in 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 different sort of um, creative endeavours in the scene, it's only going to become more robust, more engaging, um, you know, more interesting. Um, as an art form. Okay. Um, but with what's coming up for Indian Noir, I think, you know, I think even the last two and a half years has been a bit of, there's, there's been a lot of experimentation going on with Indian Noir in terms of content length, how the script needs to be, how, how how long should seasons be, what kind of genres might work. I think 2021 marks the end of those experiments and it'll be really bedding down and delivering the, the shows that we've got planned. So okay. um uh, Trishul is starting in January, and Fear FM uh, is also returning uh, in in uh, in 2021. And interspersed between those shows, there might be some surprising short form stories. But really, 2021 is really delivering awesome seasons of those two shows, with the intention of delivering another surprise in 2022. So you have to constantly keep escalating the surprises, just like a thriller. <laughs> I know. It's, I think, that, you know, I think that's the marketing mantra too. You have to, while people are being thrilled listening to Bhangud and wanting to find out next, you throw another thrill in the form of Thrashun that's coming up in January. And then they're thrilled for that and they can't cope with the thrill. And then, you know, you have to find something else and something else. And, <laughs> and then you just can't just throw that at people. You have to deliver as well. That's the other problem. Yeah. If you just keep hyping up and there is no... You don't deliver the end product then no you know you will lose your audience as quickly as you gain them so there's that too so you have to keep uh, improving and growing as an artist and constantly escalating your skill levels which takes a lot of writing reading research uh, experimentation trying new things and some of your experiments can fail but that's okay but I sup- I think that period has come to an end for individual now it's we've really embedded our, okay. our process our genres, Duration, length, a basic formula. So now it's about uh, delivering that in 2021 and see how we go. That alongside with some monetization experiments uh, that might come along. Um, you know, some more um, trying to push more promotion for okay. the show to get more attention because the market is getting crowded. I think one of the terrible impacts of COVID has been the influx of too many podcasts that are going to f- pod fade in okay. a matter of, of months. What that, mean. That, what that means though unfortunately is the month that they're on they're really taking the audience away from you right uh and also maybe even causing some of the audience to look at it and go this is rubbish i listened to four of it four weeks of this for four weeks and now they're not producing anything more Or all podcasts are like this or they listen to the ones that have just started and the quality is not that great and then they assume that's um, that's the quality of podcasts, right? and then don't engage with the art form at all. Particularly in a country like India, where you know we are just starting to get into the, uh, the interesting sp- uh, period where people are really embracing the the format. Okay. So it's going to do a bit. I think it's going to do a lot of damage. Uh, so there is going to be a, a period where Navarro has to aggressively try and push against the damage that that's done and get our voice heard amongst the people who might have. Been dissolutioned by the the poor quality podcasts yeah. or the port phenomenon. phenomenon, um, and also at the same time serve as a as an an inspiration for the podcasters who have continued during the, okay. to constantly improve
5: produce. So there's
3: this, both those uh, both those sort of you know the the selfish angle of it, but also the the, the spirit of community uh, that has to be uh, fostered for the art form to exist. Right. I think it's important to think of it not just it's not just enough for me to think about Indian Our success it's important for me to think about particularly younger artists and how they would uh, continue to grow in this space
4: right uh and uh, aside from being a podcaster and uh, aside from your interest in writing who's nikesh I and mean, what what does nikesh do other than podcasting and uh, what are your other interests other than writing
3: other than writing, uh, look, I, I I have always devoted my life to understanding the story structure and storytelling, which means I'm constantly consuming content, uh, be it the format of movies, TV shows, music, books, comics, um, even YouTube videos, looking for structure, uh, looking for uh, what masala has been added to make something perfect, <laughs> video games, I forgot to add. So, I play an inordinate amount of FIFA 21. Uh, I um, also love exercising. COVID's really put a dampener on that, but I set up a home gym when things went south and uh, have managed to maintain my exercising habit. I love that. Um, I used to keep fish. I know, Dilip, you've been trying, you've successfully kept a, a, a lot of fish tanks now. Okay. I had an interest in that, started with the freshwater tanks when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Then uh, when I moved to Australia, obviously had the uh, opportunity to set up amazing marine tanks with clownfish and coral. And I really loved that. Oh, and nice. then I gave it up um, because it was just a bit hard when you're moving around. Right. Um, I also focus on my career. I used to work in communications and events, mm-hmm. uh, internal communications mostly. Um, and then I moved to policy work in uh, hope of using my communication skills to be able to make uh, change in the world through policy work, which, as you would know, involves directing uh, uh, the the thought in the community, mm-hmm. the work of governments and think tanks by writing reports, by research and providing evidence that uh, helps skew uh, public opinions in your direction. A uh, lot of stakeholder engagement um so uh, i my current role is i work uh, as a future transport tech analyst so i write and read and work in that space a lot um in, in, in an advocacy capacity uh, outside of that uh the other interest i have is um uh, on social media, really engaging with people and seeing how people they live. I'm, you know, I'm an extrovert trapped in an introvert's world, world <laughs> but everyone's increasingly wanting to just be on social media. So I try to gain as much as possible. So, you know, I, I have a healthy engagement with uh, a lot of Indian Noir listeners and other podcasters. So I really enjoy that uh, community aspect of it as well. Because of the way my brain works, I've just you know constantly switched on and constantly consuming. I uh, I decided that I need to do something that uh, where I can stop uh, and not look at screens or consume content in a learning kind of way. So about uh, four, or five or six months ago, I started. Uh, I took a miniature painting, which uh, has been very good because it really forces you to focus on very tiny artifacts uh, that you have yeah. to try and paint. Perfection, and so what it does, it really stops you from going into a frenzied mind state um, and you feel a sense of calmness and you get to use your hand and engage a part of your brain that you don't, and at the same time, it doesn't cause too much mess, like you know carpentry or things like that you don't need a shed or a lot of equipment um, so um yeah, that's
4: me nice, a lot of things interesting, okay, so uh you know. It was a very inspirational story, a lot of things that, you know, I could learn now. You know, I have listened to Indian Noah, but uh, from what goes on behind the scenes is something that I was completely unaware of. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners would also have been unaware of. But I think this interview has given a perspective of uh, what happens behind the scene and what is all of that effort that Nikesh puts into producing that uh, top quality uh, episodes in Indian Noir. So, thanks a lot, Nikesh, for uh, joining me on the Podcasting University and talking to me and inspiring us all. And uh, you know, I look forward to some uh, as an even more interesting episodes from Indian Noir in 2021.
3: Absolutely, you can. So, Indian Noir is on www.noir.com. Noir is spelled N-O-I-R. You go there. uh, There is a button. As soon as you land on the website, when you click it, it'll take you to your favorite uh, audio streaming app, and you'll be able to subscribe and listen to Indian Noir. I am at Indian Noir both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Indian Noir is not just an interesting podcast; it produces a a lot of amazing, interesting social media content as well. So don't feel shy about engaging with me on social media. Um, And thank you very much, Dilip, for having me on here, uh, particularly on a Um, on a a podcast that's named Podcasting University, I feel very humbled I have something (laughs) to teach to others. Um, You know, I I always wanted to be a a university lecturer, but uh, unfortunately, the state of uh, casualized workforce in in the university sector um, uh, stopped me on my tracks. I ditched my PhD and I decided I'll just do something a bit more respectable and uh, moved on to working where I am now. So um, I thank you for your insightful questions. And I really hope it's been very
4: useful to your listeners. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Nikesh. No problem, mate. Thank you. I'm glad we were able to do this. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Nikesh. If you did, then don't forget to subscribe to the show to stay updated. Do visit thepodcastinguniversity.com for the show notes and the resources mentioned in this episode. This Hubhopper original is available on other podcasting platforms like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, etc. in addition to Hubhopper. I'll be back again the next week with another interesting conversation. Until then, keep listening to the Podcasting University and you all have a wonderful rest of the week.
1: इस हब हॉप पर ओरिजिनल को सुनने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया अगर आप भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करना चाहते हैं तो हब हॉपर स्टूडियो वेबसाइट पे रजिस्टर करें और एक मिनट के अंदर-अंदर अपना खुद का पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करें यही नहीं स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट करने की आसान स्टेप्स में तो साथ में अपना